Well, welcome everybody to the Ask an Accountant podcast, where we demystify accounting by simply asking your pressing questions from the industry's best and brightest. My name is Tony Wilson, your host, quirky friend, and total accounting nerd. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Jamie Skinner, an organizational efficiency consultant that helps high-growth CPG businesses improve and scale by mastering their operations and inventory. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Tony. Absolutely. So excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's so so good to have you, um, Jamie. I think some one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, I should say, I'm super excited to have you on today <laughs> is we, you and me, share a number of similarities. Mm -hmm. um, okay. For one, we have established that our personalities best resemble that of a golden retriever. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got that going for us, which is great. Uh -huh. yeah. um, which uh, like tapping into that, like I know for me what, what that looks like and what that means. But like when people think about Jamie Skinner, like they think golden retriever, like what is it that comes to their mind? That's like, oh, yeah, she's totally golden retriever. Uh, oh, I just always think of the, the dogs that are like, ooh, shiny, you know, like <laughs> just, you know, always happy and distracted easily and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I mean. Yeah. One could argue I started a business because of that, right? Like yeah. then I can I can just kind of go in, in any of those di different mm -hmm. directions. It's a great thing yeah. about entrepreneurship. You can be the golden retriever you were always meant to be. Yep, absolutely. Totally <laughs> case. So that's one area that we're similar in. Another mm -hmm. thing that's really cool is that we're both CPAs with corporate experience. So mm -hmm. we both have that background. And last but not least, we are both very passionate about process improvement. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, I mean, like, that's literally like your whole shtick is organizational yep. efficiency and process improvement, right? Yep. That's my bread and butter. <laughs> I love it. And when I found out that you were doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, can we please have you on the show? Because this is, yep. this is so great. So with all of that in mind, I think it would be super great for our listeners is mm -hmm. to hear a little bit about your story, right? So you're at this point now where you're an organizational efficiency consultant, but you didn't start there, right? You started somewhere <laughs> else. You've, you've, yeah. you've made your way. Talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about what that story has looked like for you. Yeah, well, I mean, funny if, you know, you hear the question of like, oh, if you wanted to do, you know, what you wanted to be when you were growing up, are you doing that now? My question is always, no way. So growing up, I always wanted to be a first grade teacher and so um, I used to love going back to school and hanging out and helping my old teachers out and stuff. Um, when I got into college, I went and took my first early childhood education courses and didn't like it. So <laughs> I decided to just wing it until I could figure out something else to do. Um, I had never been exposed to accounting until I was about 19 and I was working at an, a car dealership, a large Chevrolet dealership in California. And I was the office clerk and I asked, hey, I've got time. Can I help anybody with something? And I was given something that had debits and credits on it. My mind was blown. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I love this. I've got to find out more about this. And so I went to school for it. And <laughs> that's kind of how I fell into it. And there was just really no looking back for me. I graduated from Sacramento State with my bachelor's of accountancy. I attempted my master's program, but never finished it. Um, and then I decided to get my CPA license. So it took me a number of tries, but I got through it and got licensed in 2015. Um, and I've just kept it up since then. So, um, Which, you know, I had about well, 10 years. 
Well, I was going to say with that, um, so two things. Number one, I think we got licensed in the same year. So that's super great, 2015 all the way. Um, Also, I tell people frequently, CPA really stands for can't pass again because that was a tough test, tough series of tests. So well done on that. Well done on that. Sorry, you keep going. Totally fine. I, I don't think I could pass it again either. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have about 10 years of corporate experience in a lot of different industries. And I think I've told you about this before. I was kind of a job hopper. Um, my first full-time job, I was there for about four years. But then after that, it was probably like every six months to a year, I was moving to a different job. And every time it was in a different industry. Um, so, once I kind of found my love for process improvement, that's kind of what I did every single new job was that I was just, I'd go in, I'd make changes and I just fell in love with that whole aspect of it. Mm. And I think that's kind of what set me up for moving into being a consultant because I just wanted to do that part of it for lots of different companies. Mm. So um, that's kind of what led me to start my own business. I did that in 2018 where I was, you know, to get my foot in the door, I just focused on accounting, but I've been making the transition over to helping with uh, the process improvement and efficiency aspect as well. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. And I remember when you told me a little bit about your story, that was something that I thought was unique. You know, when we when we talk about like, well, why does somebody pursue a job in consulting? Like, why wouldn't mm-hmm. they just be an employee and stuff? Yeah. And it kind of gets to what you were just saying, where it's like, you realize that the, the thing that's most satisfying in the job is mm-hmm. that progression it's like things were at this state and now i've brought them to this state and Mm -hmm. i can hand them off to the next person and it's like Mm -hmm. what can i do to like maximize the best for the economy um in in a a period of time and it's like for you like and and for me both like for both of us we love consulting because that's that's kind of our our bread and butter we love that definitive point in time not just like being there forever yeah so that is that's that, a really good way to explain it that's right. absolutely right <laughs> yeah and it's and it's so great so you had um when you and i had talked before one of the other things you had talked a little bit about was um yeah the 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 experiences that you've had there was kind of a, a pivotal moment where you kind of discovered ooh, like process improvement not only is this something i'm really good at but it's something that's like super important what was mm-hmm. that that point in your career where that happened? Um, well, I don't know if there was really a point. I would, I mean, probably the first opportunity that I had to make a big change was my first corporate full time job, and that was um, at a big corporate hospital affiliation office. And um, I revamped our bank reconciliation process from something that was like pen and paper and highlighters to completely automated in Excel. Um, and that gave me kind of that first experience of making big changes and seeing the impact it had on not only myself, but other people that I worked with. And it just really triggered something for me. Like, I really, really like this. I want to keep doing this. And I just kept doing it for process over process over process. And then I carried that forward in all of my other jobs. And it was I think it was just like something that grew with me over time. And I always thought it was really fun, but it just strengthened the more jobs that I did it with. Mm. And then I just got to a point where it's like, I just was kind of fed up with working for crappy bosses Mm. (laughs) and companies that wanted me to do unethical things. And Mm. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I want to work for myself. 
Um, I don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. I just want to take this knack that I have and help as many companies as I can. So it's kind of a, you know, a, a growth thing for me, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, it's like it started, there was like little seeds that were planted. And then mm-hmm. as you progressed, you just kind of discovered more and more like, yeah. oh, no, this is really the thing that I want to do. <laughs> that's that's super cool. So knowing kind of your background in process improvement and mm-hmm. also the you know unique niche that you've chosen to kind of go go after mm-hmm. CPG. Do you mind if I ask you some some questions to to talk yeah. about process improvement in the CPG space? Is that sure. is that cool? Can we mm-hmm. talk a little yep. bit about. It? Okay. So first question I have for you is what was it about uh, consumer package? What was it consumer packaged goods? Right? CPG. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, what is it about this industry that kind of drew you in? Yeah. Well. You know, when I first became more active on LinkedIn, I was kind of connecting with people of all industries and I didn't really have a niche. Um, But one thing that I really, really loved was seeing all these different founders and leadership in the CPG space. Everybody is so very, very supportive and encouraging of each other. And I just think that's amazing. And it's so interesting to see that in what I would consider as kind of a cutthroat industry. Um, You know, everybody's scrambling over shelf space and stuff, but Mm -hmm. everybody is handing out suggestions and tips and their experiences on things and they're lifting each other up. And I'm all for that. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I really like about it is that it's very heavily inventory based. Mm -hmm. And I know that inventory is an area that involves a lot of risk Mm -hmm. um, in errors and in being mismanaged. So um, I really like all the complexities and moving parts of inventory and the way that it relates to accounting and operation decision-making. So that's kind of what drew me specifically into that niche. Yeah, that's so good. So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, where some people would see complexity and they'd be like, oh gosh, get me as far away from this as possible. You're (laughs) like, I'm going to go head head first into this yes. because yes. you like the challenge. I do. But, but you also have so much to offer in that space, right? Like yes. it can be really complex, but if you've got mm-hmm. somebody who not only understands the accounting side of the house, but is yes. also like a process improvement guru, like it just mm-hmm. makes sense for you to, to kind of naturally yes. gravitate towards that. Yes. You know, it's interesting that that first point you were talking about, um, just like the overall feel in the CPG industry, you were, it sounds like you were seeing a lot of very supportive, you know, people lifting each other up mm-hmm. uh, in the CPG space. That's super cool. And you, you found that primarily on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just all the engagement and content everybody was posting. It was just, to me, it was almost it was just fascinating to see that because I don't feel like I've seen that in other industries before. Mm-hmm. And I just, love how positive and supportive it is it's mm. really neat to see that is super super cool yeah and it you know it, it's something we've explored a little bit on this podcast before but in order to be <laughs> the best accountant you can be you know mm-hmm. you really have to have a passion for and a connection to the industry that you're serving mm-hmm. you know you yeah. can't be like industry agnostic in the sense that like eh, it's just numbers it's like you do want to have a vested connection to mm-hmm. the things that drive the founders and the CEOs um, of those yeah. businesses. So yeah. I think that's really and cool. And I'll say, I was, I'm an avid fan of Shark Tank. So I've seen <laughs> a lot of these companies on there, and I just love following their stories. It's just really amazing to watch their journeys. I love it. That is so cool. My, uh, my, the one story that comes to my mind is the, what is it, the no-bake cookie dough? There's Which, a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, there are. They're, they're cropping up yeah. quite a bit. And yeah. um, 
my wife loves that idea. I don't, I myself don't eat sweets, but my, my, my wife, we were at a, a mall and I think they had like a, where you can like scoop it. Like, it's basically like having like an ice cream, um, store, but it's just cookie yeah, dough. Absolutely. And she's mm-hmm. like, this is brilliant. This is so yeah. great. <laughs> so one of the many reasons to love the CPG industry right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got another question for you. Um, so obviously the, the show is ask an accountant, you know, mm-hmm. so there's an accounting bend to it, but you, in your current position, you're not like an accountant per se, but you do use a lot of the same, um, I guess, skills and abilities and knowledge set to bring mm-hmm. the most value to your clients. Yeah. So in what ways did your experience as a corporate accountant influence your approach to process improvement? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I mean, obviously, my corporate accounting experience got me really, really good at doing accounting processes in a lot of different industries. Um, You know, I've been in construction and auto dealers, not-for-profits, restaurants, sporting event venues, uh, a ton of different places. And what that really showed me is that there's so many aspects of running a business that are really similar across all different industries. Hmm. But also, each industry and each business has a very unique set of challenges um, that they need to overcome. So seeing those similarities and differences, I think helps me really be able to jump into a new business and hit the ground running because I know what things are probably going to be very fluid to work through like every other company and what things like we might need to be thinking about this differently because of your specific industry or business. Hmm. Um, And then, I mean, most importantly, like, my corporate experience, to me, I feel like it was a test environment for trying out new processes and how I go about that. And through all the different jobs that I went through and over time, I was able to create a method for increasing that efficiency, not just with accounting, but really how all of it relates to the roles and departments outside of accounting and within operations. Mm -hmm. So um, those are things that I kind of took with me from the uh, corporate side of things. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think this can be an often overlooked benefit about having accounting as your background Mm -hmm. is accounting touches everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we, we are not only do we touch everything, but we're also like the down, one of the furthest downstream processes in an overall business process Mm -hmm. flow. And so because of it, if we want to be like really good process improvement gurus and stuff, we need to be like really well tapped on all processes because everything yeah. has an impact on accounting mm-hmm. and finance. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because I, I want people to hear like accountants, especially corporate accountants, do have mm-hmm. a lot more exposure to process, um, yeah. like overall company process, which is which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And then that first piece again, can you can you reiterate like what, what that first one, like how accounting really kind of influenced your approach to process improvement? Just trying to remember what that first one was. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, what I would say to that is, you know, working from how you said, we're the, really the downflow of all the information and processes. Um, you know, whenever I would be working in corporate accounting and there would be some kind of a hang up in my process that was something that came from outside of my department or my role, um, it really taught me to look outward and see the process from start to finish instead Mm. of just my aspect of it. Um, And so I actually was very heavily involved with people outside of my department and within operations to work on bottlenecks and challenges and um, improve 
their function of that process to get it to flow to me better. That's so good. Um, so that's why I just got into this methodology of don't just look at your part. You have to look at everything. The big picture. The biggest impact um, in these processes. That is so, so good. Yeah, you got to have a big picture understanding. I think it was Mark Corum who we had on a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and he talked about, you know, what was it about accounting that brought, um, that he was able to t- then take it to software development. And he says, well, there's a lot of the same kind of like big picture thinking that you have to have mm-hmm. if you want to be successful in that space. So I love that accounting gives you kind of a bigger picture understanding as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking a little bit about principles, methodologies when it comes to your, uh, process improvement, how you go about process improvement. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, what are some of those principles and or methodologies that you employ in your process improvement initiatives? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things is what I just touched on, um, about really broadening your perspective of the process and looking at it from its origination until it's completely executed looking and seeing it. every single person in the department who is affected by it, um, how you know challenges in one area can create challenges in another area um, and things like that. So just really looking at how everything overlaps within the company um, is really critical. And you know, in order to, like I said, to get the biggest bang for your buck if you're trying to improve a process or improve efficiency um, is looking at it in its entirety. So, um, Kind of as an example, uh, to go off of what I was talking about earlier, if I'm in accounting and I need a report from somebody and I have to have it by a certain day to have it completed for a task that I have a deadline on, if they're always getting it to me late and that's causing a strain on me to get my task done on time, I can't just go to them and say, it's always late. I need it by this day. Make sure you get it to me. I mean, they're going to be feeling defensive and, you know, what incentives do they have to get it to you on time? Hmm. So a better way to approach it is to say, hey, you know, I noticed that you're always getting this to me by this day. Is there a hang up on your end? Is there something else that's causing you to get it to me late? Hmm. And I guarantee you most of the time they're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. It takes me this long to do this part of my process and I get it from somebody else or there's going to be some other scenario going on. So if you come at them by looking at the whole process, and trying to fix it where those earlier bottlenecks may be, that's gonna just help the flow all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. so, so good. So uh, I apologize for the, for the crass analogy, but mm-hmm. I do tell people when I think about processes, I think about it like a stream, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're in accounting and we're far downstream, it's a lot easier to walk mm-hmm. upstream and ask the person to stop pooping in the stream than it is to go and clean it up later, right? <laughs> That's so, very true, yeah. Right? So always go back upstream. Yep, yep. I'm gonna remember that one. <laughs> right? We'll use it. We'll use it with some of the uh, some of the uh, poop emojis that I love to use on LinkedIn. So that oh, works out great. I, no, I love that. And I think the other thing that I hear in what you were just talking about is there is also such a human element to process improvement, mm-hmm. right? Like. Yeah coming in like even how you approach that person who is the bottleneck for your process Mm -hmm. has a drastic impact on whether Mm -hmm. or not you can be successful with your process improvement initiative right absolutely yes it's like what you said it's like if i come in guns a blazing why didn't you get me this thing you know on this date then they're going to be defensive yeah but if you come in and, and, and say like hey what can i do to help you yeah totally different 
that is exactly it. Totally, totally. <laughs> so that's um, one of my methodologies. Another one is, um, you know, making a process as repeatable as possible. Mm. So that doesn't mean just making it easy for you yourself to repeat over and over if it's like a weekly or a monthly task, but making it repeatable for anyone to come in and be able to pick it up and run with it. So obviously there may be a level of competency to a certain task that the person needs to have, but if they're at that level of competency, they should be able to take your process and completely replicate it on their own and have no problems and have no errors um, and that type of thing. So the methodology of really strong documentation for the process, whether it's, you know, an SOP or just an extra tab in your Excel sheet with an example, um, you know, utilizing data dumps and uh, formula uh, automation, just making things simplified and repeatable is really the way to go. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's so great. I mean, do you have in your experience now working with, you know, helping a lot of different organizations document, I mean, mm -hmm. is there like a go-to, you know, technology that you use to be doing the documentation or like, what does that look like for you? I mean, until recently, really all I've ever utilized was like using your screenshot tool um, and placing that with written instructions into you know either a word document or excel um and just you know being very clear on everything and um you know a, a lot of with a lot of my clients what i do sometimes too is do a video recording and i'll actually walk them through how to do things um and leave that for them to use to be able to repeat the process as well so um you know either of those works well it just kind of depends on the preference of the person who's going to be using those instructions um, typically in a corporate setting, you're going to want it to not be in video. You want them to be able to see the steps. Hmm. Um, so we typically write those out with screenshots. Um, but yeah, that's the gist of what it is so far. Yeah. Well, and I love, I love just getting a, 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 a like an insight into that because I think sometimes we can make process documentation so much more complex, but like mm -hmm. you can do it with a word document. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be this, you know, yeah. you have to have fancy technology in order to document your processes. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, what you're trying to get to, like you said, is a repeatable process that other people can pick up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is, that is, that's key. That's key. So, uh, Jamie, you work a lot with CEOs and founders and COOs. Mm -hmm. In your experience, what would you say are some of the most common pitfalls you see those folks falling into when it comes to how they run their operations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I came across this a lot um, early on in my accounting, corporate accounting career. Um, you know, I do um, come across it with um, clients as well. And that's really just where you have a founder or leadership, somebody who's a decision maker that is kind of really just stuck in the status quo. You know, we've always done this, things this way. It's worked so far. We don't have time to try and change a process, yada, yada. You know, so it's it's kind of a sticking point in trying to implement change is that they don't see the need for it. Mm. Um, so, you know, one thing that's really important, I feel, for companies, especially as they're growing and hiring on more staff, um, you know, not just the aspect of, improving the processes to improve your bottom line or reduce um, workload, but to give your employees a sense of empowerment to make the decision to change a process if it's not working for them. 
Um, you know, because nobody wants to be bogged down with a task that's super manual or just annoying and a headache. So if they have the flexibility to change something to make it more enjoyable to complete, easier to complete, easier for somebody else to help them with, I mean, it's just the benefits are um, endless, you know, and it really helps your employees feel empowered and feel happy with their work. And you're probably going to have less um, grumpy workers and less Mm -hmm. turnover. So, um, you know, all around, it's just a good thing to have an open mind to, um, you know, looking at different processes. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. I'd imagine you probably also have higher engagement from your employees. Yeah. They feel a little bit more ownership. Like if they feel like they can co-author with you in process mm-hmm. improvement. Yeah. Maybe be- well, and that's um, a, a huge basis of my process too with trying to change things is the whole aspect of, okay, where are we at with things now? What are you stuck on? What do you feel is a challenge with it? Um, making changes to it, coming to them and presenting it to them, working through it and saying, okay, does this feel good? Could it be improved? Are there new challenges with this? Reworking it and just really going back and forth until you've nailed it down to mm-hmm. where it's the most efficient and most enjoyable for them to get done. Yeah, that is that is so good. And and you're, you're kind of already touching on this a little bit, but when you think about all those positive changes that you are bringing to the table, um, how are you bringing that change in an organization when senior leaders, middle managers, and frontline workers seem to be, like you said, kind of stuck in their ways? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, well, really, it's just all about coming across with the, the mindset of being collaborative. You don't ever want to approach something with, well, this is going to benefit me, so I need you to do this. Um, that's not going to get you anywhere with anyone um, unless, you know, you're really good friends or something. They just want to help you out, um, you know, but really showing them how it's going to be positively impactful for them or as the company as a whole, um, you know, is what I find really gets people on board to make those changes. Um, like back to my example, when I did the bank reconciliation, I had this one coworker who was, he, just, he loved his highlighters and paper. And he did not want to take the time to learn a new process. He's like, my process is fine. I balance within a few pennies every month. Um, And I was like, well, let me just show you what I came up with. I think you're really going to like it. And I guarantee you're going to balance to the penny every single month. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be really fast. So I sat down with him and I showed him my process step by step. And then it's like the light bulb went off in his Mm -hmm. head. He's like, this is really cool. I think I'm going to give it a shot. So you know, it wasn't me just saying, hey, the manager like this and everybody has to do it. Let me show you why you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, you know, kind of the mindset that I try to approach yeah. everything with. Well, and that's super helpful when you think about, I don't know, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you <laughs> talk to people who are being introduced for the first time, a totally mm-hmm. new way of doing stuff, there's something about seeing it and like actually mm-hmm. like getting hands on with like a prototype of that yeah. solution. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it kind of just like, I don't know, takes away a lot of that resistance. Has that been your experience too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing that's difficult for a lot of people to be told like, hey, we're going to make this change is that they worry about the unknowns. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you say this is going to be faster and easier, but what if, you know, this, this or that, if these other things may be even more of a challenge than the ones I was dealing with before. 
Um, so just the unknown of how it's going to be different can be really intimidating for a lot of people. So like you said, just showing them, kind of walking through the process, getting feedback from them, letting them know that, you know, their concerns are heard mm. um, and that you're going to address them is a really big turning point in getting people to be on board with the change. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, if if if, uh, if there's something that I've learned, and you probably have also learned this a lot, it sounds like you have, <laughs> when it comes to process improvement, so much of it is change management. Yeah. So much of it is the people element of the process, mm-hmm. yeah. and it can be overlooked really easily. Um, so I think that's that's a that's a helpful insight. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. really really good. So. Um, Another question that I have for you. So we, we talked a lot about like kind of process improvement in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to kind of get back to, if we can, for just a minute, um, accounting and like finances when it comes to CPG. Mm-hmm. Um, and so specifically, when you think about timely financial data, right? Like yeah. accountants are all about timely, relevant, accurate. Those mm-hmm. are our big things as accountants. Yeah. When you think about timeliness of financial data, how would you define timeliness for a CPG company? Mm-hmm. And like, what would be the impact to a CEO or a COO if they don't have timely financial data? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So with CPG companies specifically, if they're not utilizing real-time financial information, it can be very costly to their company. Um, it could be a tangible cost or it could be missed sales. Um, you know, if they don't have real-time data on the costs of all the products they're sourcing or real-time data on their inventory levels, um, that's going to make it really hard to make a split, uh, second decision on, you know, different selling channels that you're using opportunities on new selling channels, if they'll be profitable or not. Um, you know, minimum order quantities, does it make sense to bump it up and have less cash or do we want to back it down and, you know, worry about other things, um, you know, thinking about lead times on getting your your materials and um, products makes a big difference. Um, can you approve the timeline on a purchase order or commitment? Um, and then also having accurate numbers for the quantity levels on your e-commerce site. Um, you don't want to promise people that you've sold them a product, but oh, it's actually back ordered and it's going to take us six weeks to get more product in. So having as real time of data as you can on those things is important. And so that comes back to that circular flow of information that operations needs to be accurate and quick in getting the information to finance Mm -hmm. so they can quickly and accurately get it back to operations to make those decisions when needed. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times those things come up and you have to make a decision pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And split split second. And imagine, especially like like as you're serving high growth CPG companies, Those types of gut, you know, last minute decisions, there are probably mm-hmm. a lot more of them to make because they're growing at yeah. such a rapid pace and they need to be knowing, you know, what is, what are, like you said, my inventory, yeah. um, my inventory levels. Uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Day writes in, he says, CPG data, if it's not accurate, we die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's very true. <laughs> very, very, very true. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting when I had asked the question, like, what constitutes timeliness for CPG? The words that I heard you say over and over again, real time, real time, real time, real time, which I think is so telling and it's so necessary in this field, right? Some fields you can get away with, you know, maybe a monthly cadence, maybe a biweekly cadence. But with CPG, like 
I mean, inventory levels, all that kind of stuff. Like it needs to be real time. So, you know, we talk about your process improvement initiatives and the stuff that you're helping companies to do as an organizational Mm -hmm. efficiency consultant. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the work that you do, I mean, you're essentially getting more timely and more accurate financial information, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, like basically what you're saying is you're empowering Mm -hmm. CEOs and COOs to make better educated decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yep, and that's going to help their company in the long run. So mm. definitely. That is that's super helpful. Well, I wanted to say, Jamie, thank you so much for this time to talk a little bit about process improvements and your experience in the CPG space. I want to give you a chance before we wrap up for you to give some of your words of wisdom, just share as you feel so led. Uh, mm-hmm. But I want you to just imagine for a moment you are talking with a CEO or a COO of a high growth CPG company. Okay? Mm-hmm. They probably have 10 employees and they're really just bogged down with their inventory right now. Mm-hmm. What words of wisdom would you, Jamie Skinner, give to that person or those people mm-hmm. um, to address that pain point? Yeah. Um, well, I think really in any stage of a CPG company, but especially when they're in high growth, um, is the most important thing you can do is to be proactive and not reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are constantly putting out fires, it is not going to be sustainable and it's going to run your company into the ground. Um, so you always need to be thinking a couple steps ahead. What are we going to need next? What challenges are we going to encounter with that? How is that going to affect the work that our staff does? Um, you know, it's really, really critical just to be trying to mitigate bottlenecks and errors as much as possible just by using that forward thinking. So um, stop putting out fires and start, you know, investing a little bit of time and money into getting your systems in place before you really, really need them and create a a huge fire in that case. So Mm. yeah, that's the best advice I have. (laughs) You heard it here. Be proactive, not reactive. Mm -hmm. As a quick side note, I know of a great way for you to invest in your business to be more (laughs) proactive instead of reactive mm-hmm. and her name is Jamie Skinner but that's beside the point <laughs> um, Jamie thank you so so much for joining us today on the call I imagine people are going to listen to this and be like Jamie Skinner I want to get in contact with her she seems super awesome she's also a golden retriever like me and she's just a phenomenal person where could people go to get in contact with you if they wanted to yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm active on LinkedIn, so you can find me on there, Jamie Skinner. Um, I think I'm the only one that's in Reno, Nevada. Um, so you can find me there or you can find me on my website. It's just www.orgefficiency.com. And I'm happy to check up a conversation with anyone. Perfect. And I will second the whole LinkedIn thing. I've loved seeing her posts. She's always inspirational to me so i always appreciate what you're posting out there and if you need to you know if you are following me and you'd like to uh, get in contact with her just see where i'm posting and chances are i'm going to be posting on something that she has posted as well so (laughs) jamie again thank you so so much and thank you everybody who has been listening today i hope you all found value in our episode if you have pressing accounting questions that you would like future guests to answer you can go ahead and email me at tony at equip Dot com. That's A-C-C-Q-U-I-P dot com. Also, if you are an accounting professional or you know somebody who'd be interested in coming on the show, please reach out to me as well.
want to thank you all again so much for tuning in today. And as always, keep calm and keep your clothes on. Thanks, Tony. Bye.